Hello, church family. This is uh, the next part of the fruit of spirit on kindness. Um, if you were listening, if you're listening or following along with this, um, we're going through this series mainly just to you know, check our own hearts to see where we're at. In a lot of ways, really to test ourselves if we are really reflecting the way Christ is. Um, all of these fruit of spirits are are designed to be really a, uh, standards by which uh, God has for our for us as believers, um, and as I mentioned uh, before, that the fruit of the spirit is actually not something that we do to achieve salvation, but rather it is something as an outpour of our faith uh, because of what Christ has done in our life, because of His goodness to us, because of His love towards us, and we should exhibit each and every single one of these attributes. Uh, so this, in a lot of ways, uh, this is really just a self-evaluation. And I said that uh, the fruit of the fruit of spirit is a singular, meaning that we should actually have all nine of these. Uh, we shouldn't be lopsided Christians, although there uh, might be uh, some areas where we're weaker in. But we should exhibit all nine of them to a certain extent. My hope is that that we don't be content of where we're at with all nine of these. Through the Spirit, that we always grow and and, and choose to uh, seek a life of holiness, uh, to to live out each of these things. So we're maybe we're good with love, joy, and peace, but we're struggling with patience. It's, hopefully, it's not that we have no patience, uh, because if we don't have any patience, then there's chances are the others are missing as well. The fruit of the Spirit is something that all that encompasses the the whole totality of the believer. And it ha- has every single one of the the attributes listed in the fruit of the spirit. So, if you're lacking one completely, then the question is, why is that? Because if you're lacking one completely, then the chances are you'll lack the others as well. Because these are all interconnected. Um, so we've gone through love, joy, peace, patience, and today we're going to go on kindness. Kindness, especially during this time, this day and age, is such a rare quality. Especially in time of fear, kindness is probably the hardest um, quality to show. What's strange when you look at our the Twitter feeds or the Facebook posts, um, or the Instagram posts, whatever it may be, you'll notice that I mean you, there's certain expectations of non-Christians and their way that they respond. Respond. I don't know if you notice it, but uh, with non-Christians, yeah, they'll they'll act a certain way and it's expected because they're not living. They don't, they don't exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. They're not believers. But what's scary is when you see believers, professing believers, start acting like the world. Uh, whether, uh, you know, like one of the verses that uh, the social justice people often use uh, for to prove uh, that their movement is legitimate is Micah 6, uh, verse 8, which says, What does God require of you? but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And even uh, Christians that are really for the social justice, oftentimes they would use this first, but they do not know what justice is, and they're not kind with their disposition, and even for some of them, they're not really walking humbly with our God. Yet they expect other people to do these things. You know, And, and I think this is instead of looking... For necessary toward outwardly and what the world or even other professing Christians are doing or not doing right, we need to look at our own hearts. Do we love kindness? Are we the people that are defined by kindness? 
know, if you were to think in your life, who's the kindest person in your life? And I hope, that, you know, I'm sure there's at least maybe one individual in your life that you can think of. But I wonder, is there anyone in your life that could say you are the kindest person in their life? Because I think that as Christians, we need to exhibit this attribute of kindness because this is who our God is. Our God is a God that is kind. And we are called to uh, to be like this all the time. Not just in time of great uh, joy and peace, but also time of great trials and fears. We're called to be kind because that is who our God is. Our, that's one of God's communicable attributes. He's a kind God. So if we look through the scriptures, if we look at um, how the Lord is described in the Old and the New Testament, uh, kindness is is one of those um, attributes that shows up. And you know, in the English, we use the word loving kindness in the Old Testament, and I think that kind of, that that word loving kindness isn't actually an English word, but the translators just try to um, take certain concepts of God and put it into this word. The word is more like loving. Um, it's more like a covenant love, a, a love that it just doesn't end. Because of his covenant love towards his people, um, it's something that is unbreakable. And I think un- loving kindness is a, it's an okay translation in that it uses, because we, when we think of that covenant love, we do think of kindness, and we do think of love. Um, we do think that uh, like kindness is, is as defined, it's, it's this gracious and considerate type of attitude. And the Lord is definitely like that. And we see in the Old Testament to Israel, Exodus chapter 15, verse 13. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. Uh, uh, um, we can see, like Exodus 34, verse 6, the Lord, then the Lord passed by in front of them and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Um, our God is a God that keeps is loving kindness, and you know this is a phrase that shows up a lot in the Old Testament. And even like when we look at the Psalms, Psalm 118 and 136, uh, the phrase that keeps going on in those two Psalms is the loving kindness of the Lord is everlasting; it doesn't end. That's just who He is; it just doesn't end. Ezra 9, chapter 9 tells us, "For we are slaves, yet in our bondage our God has not forsaken us, but has extended loving kindness to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us." reviving to re- to give us reviving to raise up to the house of our God to store its ruin and to give us a wall in Judah and Jeremiah and, Ju- and Jerusalem and, Ez- and Ezra's writing this knowing that the history of Israel has failed they have failed over and over again they've given their life up to pagan worship they were in exile because of it but God's loving kindness and working through his sovereign plan allowed even the wicked Persia king to give the Israelites a place to rebuild their home See, God doesn't um, forget his people, even though they turn from him, even though um, they worship other gods. Um, God still has a natural disposition, a loving kindness towards his people. Uh, now, this doesn't nullify his justice or his holiness, but it's just that um, if you were to define God in the Old Testament, you can't help but see that he does care for his people, even when they are wicked. He always provides a way, a means for them to return. That he doesn't eradicate them, even though they, de- even though they, they deserve it. Um, 
Nehemiah 13.22 in the same kind of context. And I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come as a gatekeeper to sanctify the Sabbath day, for this also remember me, O my my God, and have compassion on me according to the greatness of your loving kindness. Um, You know, same idea here, where there's, um, you know, the Lord is always kind to his people. Um, So, we understand, even in the New Testament, this, this idea continues on. Uh, I referenced this first in Romans chapter 2, uh, verse 4. This is actually after uh, you know, Romans chapter 1, which speaks about the man uh, searing his conscience and giving themselves up to uh, sinful passions. But yet, some people, when they're living that way, they're thinking, oh, well, I could still live this life because God hasn't struck me down. But yet Paul reminds him in Romans 2, 4, where you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. See, it's the kindness when we understand how wicked we are and how kind God is, that even in spite of how, um, how many times we've sinned against him, that he is still good to us. We often think of God sometimes as like he hates us until we repent, but that's actually not the case. God desire, doesn't desire anyone to perish. He still shows kindness to those that are wicked to him, and those that are ungrateful to him, those that are unthankful to him. That this is who our God is. And I wonder how do we think about God in these terms? Do we think of God as actually being kind to us? You know, he is kind to us, and that's what brought us to his saving faith. Right? Like, if it wasn't for his kindness to us, we would not care or love who he is if he if he if he didn't he did not go to the cross solely because he just think thought that was a good thing to do but even titus 3 chapter chapter 3 verse 4 reminds us but when the kindness of god our savior and his love for mankind appeared and it goes on to explain how uh uh chapter verse 5 he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness according to his mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, we pour it out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, God's kindness is the reason why we are saved. And I think if, as we need to really ground our own hearts in this one attribute of the Lord, because God expects us to be kind, and we live in a time where it's very hard to be kind. Whether you have some sort of political stance that's different from yours, or how you want to exercise your life, we tend to be unkind to those around us, especially those that are different from us. But here's three—here's th- just three reminders of kindness that I want us to have uh, for today, and hopefully it'll carry on, not just for this day, but for the rest of our lives. The first thing that we need to understand is that kindness holds no grudges. Kindness holds no grudges. Uh, Matthew 18, there's a parable of the unforgiving, the the the, un, the wicked uh, slave. Uh, you're familiar with the story. He uh, had a whole bunch of money that he owed to the king, uh, but the king was uh, was kind towards him. He said he felt compassion and released him and forgave him of his debt. But that slave went out and found uh, one of his fellow slaves and owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, "Pay back what you owe." And you know he gets um, thrown in prison because he couldn't do it. But then uh, the king finds out and he and he tells him, 
at verse 33 of chapter 18. Should you have also, should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I have mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed over to the, to tor- to the torturers until he should repay all that he owed him. My heavenly Father also do the same to you if you, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. See, this is one thing. It, our uh, our kindness doesn't hold any grudges. You can't say that you're a kind individual if you have some sort of anger towards someone else. Um, and oftentimes we look at even past like Matthew 18. Here we think, well, uh, you know, it's this true statement that you know, you should show mercy because. Uh, God has shown mercy to you, or, God, or you have shown mercy, you need to forgive others because God has shown a, a tremendous amount of mercy to you. And all of that is true, and I agree with it. But let's think of it another way. What if God's kindness towards you is the same way that you show kindness towards other people? What if God treated you with the kindness that you showed to other people? Imagine how many times uh, people have sinned against you. Someone hurt your feelings, someone didn't do something that you liked, someone said something that was mean, and you held a grudge against them. Imagine what how it's like if you were sinned against, and how there's a limit to your kindness. Well, if God had treated you with that type of standard, we would all be doomed, right? If the, if the Lord hurt, I mean, the Lord knows everything, but if the Lord saw you sin and said, oh, you, you got angry again, you know, because if every sin is against the Lord, every time we sin, it's towards him. Do you think it would be good if God treated us with the kindness that we share with others? Of course not, because if 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 we treated if God treated us the way that we treated other people, then we are all doomed. We have no salvation. If God held a grudge against us for every time we lusted, every time we looked at pornography, every time we masturbated, every time we lied, every time we gossiped, every time we slandered, and the sin list goes on and on. If we treated if God treated us with the level of kindness that we have towards other people, then there is no hope for us. But because of God's kindness, because of his kindness, we have assurance in our faith. Even for non-believers, they get that God is kind to them and in hopes that they would receive salvation as well. And you know, God doesn't expect anything in return when he, when he shows his kindness. Right? Like Luke, which actually gets to our next point, kindness doesn't expect anything in return. In Luke chapter 6, Verse 35, it reads this. Um, this is Christ instructing his disciples. Uh, he instructs them this, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing <clears throat> in return. And your reward will be great. Uh, your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. The God is, is kind to even those that hate him. Even those that are ungrateful, even those that, that slander him, that are mean to him, that, that uh, blaspheme his name, he is still kind. If you think about every single time someone in Planned Parenthood commits an, an act of abortion, the fact that God doesn't strike them down is because of his kindness. If you think about everyone outside the church that are, that are doing injustice, the fact that God knows that they're doing injustice and doesn't destroy them, it's not because God is um, letting sin go, but because of his kindness, he's hoping that they would repent. And that's the same with you and I. We are called to be kind to people who do wrong to us. 
And that's something that the world will never fully understand because our world wants um, equality, but they don't really understand what that means. They want equality, want everything to be level, but they don't really get uh, what that means. But what Christ expects of us is not equality. Christ expects us to have a self-giving kind of love. Our love and our kindness for other people must be must not have a limit. It must always be um, t- targeted toward other people. Now, are you good, are you only kind to those that are only right to you? Because even Jesus said that that's that's even the non-believers could do something like that. Even non-believers could do things like that. But you have to be kind to those that are different from you. To those who even if they hate you, they're your enemies. People that hold to different political views. People that may even want to persecute the church or harm you. Your job and my job as a Christian is to be kind to them because this, this is who our God is. And lastly, food for thought for kindness is that kindness has the other's best interests in mind. We'll talk more about this with the next one. Um, with goodness, but kindness has the other's best interests in mind in that God knew what we needed even before we do. Think about the back of this Luke the chapter 6 verse 35 passage. God is kind to ungrateful, evil men. God provides food and shelter for those who hate him. God is still kind. He still gives rain to the wicked. <laughs> he still uh, gives uh, sunshine to the wicked. Those that uh, can never repay back to the Lord or even know to pay back to the Lord. God is still so kind to them. And yet we know that we understand it because God was kind to us by sending his son to die for us. We didn't even know that we needed a Savior until the Lord opened our eyes of faith to see that. This is why we need to be kind to other people, because our God has is, is lavished um, this infinite kind of kindness to us. And when we fail to be kind, it's no wonder people don't want to have anything to do with Christianity, because our life doesn't demonstrate the kindness that people are looking for. They want this kindness, and we can show them a kindness that's different from the world. Because our kindness is derived from an infinite and kind God. And that's what I hope uh, for us today, that when you think about your relationship with those, even just around you, your spheres of influence, can they say definitively that you are kind? Find someone in your life, ask them, is kindness something that you see in my life? And if not, then this is something that you need to work on. And I hope that this is not just you, but me as well. I need to work on this. Um, I pray that all of us, as we look to Scripture, we see how kind our God is, that we would mirror that and show to the world. Okay, have a nice day. Take care.